0: Very cool. I'm going to start with a little, quick little story. A group of children were lined up for lunch in the cafeteria of a Christian school. At the head of the table was a large pile of apples. After watching them for a while, a lady, a supervising teacher, wrote a sign and posted it on the apple tray. Take only one. God is watching. The children kept moving further along the line, where at the other end of the table was a large pile of chocolate chip cookies. One of the young boys looked at the cookies and then wrote a sign that read, Take all you want. God is watching the apples. A very smart young boy there. Very smart. Right, if you've got your Bibles there, why don't you turn to the book of Philemon. Philemon chapter 1 in the New Testament. We're going to pick it up from verse 4. A real small book just with one chapter. Philemon chapter 1 verse 4. This is Paul writing from prison. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Verse six, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The title of my uh, talk this morning is What's under the hood? What's under the hood? Let us pray. Lord God, we love you, Father. We thank you that you came, Jesus, and you died and you rose again. We thank you that now through the Holy Spirit you reside in us, Father God. And as we look at this verse this morning, Lord God, about every good thing which is in us, every good thing, have us to, uh, uh, help our mind to be, um, awaken in our hearts, open to this, Father God, and teach us, Lord. Yeah, have your way, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're, uh, the topic is, um, it's about reaching, you know, evangelism and that. And I thought, like, genuinely, with evangelism, you'd kind of go through points, like, how do you, uh, I guess, uh, witness to people or tell them the good news of Jesus and that whole thing. And you go through points. But I read the scripture, and what it basically said is that by acknowledging every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus, the sharing of our faith will become effective. And I had this thought that if we live the Christian life that God wants us to live, Jesus will be lifted up. And when he's lifted up, all men are drawn into him. So that's kind of the, uh, kind of the theme I'm taking this morning. So what, what good things do we have within us through Christ Jesus? The first thing that you have in you is that you have a purpose. You have a purpose. God has a great destiny for every person in this room. Every person. You're not just born and then you live your life and you die for no apparent reason. There's a purpose behind that. Like it says in the Bible, you know, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and all that kind of stuff. Because if we don't have a purpose and we don't really have that drive, if we don't have something to get us up in the morning or keep us going in hard times. So it's really key that we know the purpose that God has for each individual on this earth, each, each of us in this room this morning. I remember when I was back in uh, New Zealand a few years ago, I was at a uh, night church and a night service, and there were these three guys up on the stage, three young Maori guys, and they sang some songs. And I sat there and I thought, man, that's pretty cool and there was a crowd of people there, and people clapping, and I thought, those guys are talented, and there's something in their music, there's some kind of purpose that God's got in there, so after the service, I went and saw them and said, hey, you guys were amazing, and you know, you should keep doing what you're doing, and there's heaps of youth and older people out there that would love to hear your music, and they're like, oh yeah, thanks, awesome, you know, encouraged, and then a few months went on, and uh, I didn't hear them play any more music, and they were part of our church, so I knew them, and one day I said to them, guys, what's happening with your music? It, it was awesome, you know, people getting into it. And they just said, ah, oh, you know, kind of kind of not too fast, you know. We're just hanging out and doing stuff. And I said to them, I really believe that God's got a purpose for you guys in music, in this whole creative thing. So they're kind of listening. And and then they asked me to kind of um, jump on board and help them with that. So I said, yeah, awesome, because I could see potential. and So what happened was... Um, We started having some practices, and I went along, was helping out, and then they asked me to be in the group, the white boy, and they called me the milk to the coffee. It was a hip-hop group, so they wrote a rap, and that was one of the lines. Dan Strange, milk to the coffee, was in there. I was cool. So here we had this um, this little group in a small town in New Zealand, 30,000 people in the town, and uh, there was this Christian music festival called Parachute in New Zealand which has thousands, like I think up to 30,000 there, and we, we thought, okay, how do we play at this festival? So we went online and filled out the form, and we, we got accepted to play at the smallest stage at the festival, the smallest stage, and they also said, hey, if you want to get them for free, you can help at the festival. I was like, yeah, free, that's us. We're in there. So we turned up, and we're on the rubbish truck for 30,000 people. It might, it might have been probably 10 of us all up, our crew and some other people, and we're doing the rubbish, we're up at first thing in the morning cleaning the stages and then we quickly go over a shower, get changed, and we jump on stage and do some songs, finish that, get back in our rubbish gears, we're back on the truck. But the thing was, through this whole process, we knew that God had a purpose. We knew it and that, that purpose gives you a drive to, drive to press on, a purpose to run the race, you know, to get up in the morning. So we played at this festival and then the following year we, we got asked back, we played the same stage, That's cool. Might have been a hundred people there, a couple of hundred, a lot of people walking past. A few would look up, and a few would keep walking. And Afterwards, a few uh, you know, youth would come up and talk to us, which is great, and we'd do that. But, but we continued on in this purpose that we felt that God had for us, and I think that's real key this morning, eh? Even if you don't see instant results in this purpose, what's in your heart, just continue on, just carry on in that. And then they asked us to move up to the next stage. The first stage was called Village. Next stage was called Massive Stage. I think there was eight stages or something. So the next year we played a Massive and there um, might have been four or five hundred people there. You know, there's mosh pit down the front, people going for it. and um, Yeah, again, heaps of youth coming up and asking if we got music to sell and all this kind of stuff. And and this thing just started to grow until we started to do uh, Christian and non-Christian events. And uh, sometimes there'd be thousands of people there. And it was just awesome, like... um, a couple of years later, a parachute we played, we went from massive then we went to I think the deluxe stage and then-, and then the palladium, which must have fitted like ten thousand and uh we ended up recording an album. I think we've got a picture there yeah so there's there's five of us, four guys and a girl, and um it was just a part of just doing what was in your heart for God, you know just just running after your purpose and We were, like I said, from a small town of 30,000 people in New Zealand and we'd do so many road trips to the big centres to play and and we put out a single called Cruisin'. Um, It's a bit hard to see, but we were number 21. We got up to number 15 on the New Zealand charts. So uh, I think you can see Paris Hilton there and the Veronicas were... Yeah, so we were kind of in this complete non-Christian environment, just five young people, just... yeah. Fulfilling our purpose in God and going after our purpose in God. And the thing is, when we were doing that, like we sold um, so many copies of albums and singles all across the radio in New Zealand and people being reached, many, many people, you know, were reached through that whole thing purely because you realise the purpose we've got in God. Yeah, and we've each got a purpose in God this morning. And if, you, if you're at a place where you're not too sure what that is, a couple of practical things you can do. One is you can ask the people around you. Ask them, say, you know, um, close people that you um, confide, you know, in their opinion. Just say, hey, what, what do you think I'm good at? You know, what, what could you see me doing with my life here that would really help extend the kingdom of God? And the other one is obviously ask God himself, spend time with him. See what he puts on your heart like you might. Um, see what moves you. I know some people watch uh, World Vision or Compassion videos and they're just moved. They're just like, wow, I've just got to help. I've either got to go there or contribute financially. I've got to be involved. And I believe practically that's, there's a really good chance it's part of their purpose on the earth to help extend the kingdom of God in that area. So our, our ultimate purpose is to extend the kingdom of God because the house of God, the church extends the kingdom of God. So it's just finding, finding our niche, our area in that. So that purpose really grips a hold of us on the inside. And if, if you find yourself saying, well, I don't have the confidence to step out. I don't have the strength to give it a go. That's not a bad place to be in because the Bible is full of people who are like that. It really is. God doesn't need us to have it all together. He doesn't. In the book of Jeremiah, God said, Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So God had a purpose for him before he was even born. When he was in his mother's womb, God had appointed him as a prophet. And then the next verse, Jeremiah said, but, but God, I'm too young. I'm too young. You know, He didn't have the confidence or strength to step out. But yeah, we all know he went on and he wrote the book of Jeremiah and did incredible things. You also got Moses, who God called and said, Can you bring my people out of Egypt? I've got something better for them. And Moses said, I'm not eloquent. I'm of slow speech. I'm of slow tongue. In Hebrew, the literal translation is I've got a New Zealand accent. (laughs) So Moses was fighting with God, but he overcame that and God used him to bring them out. Gideon... God said, you're a mighty man of valour. I am with you, Gideon. But God, I'm the smallest in my clan, you know. I'm the weakest in my tribe. But God said, you're a mighty man of valour. So even if we're struggling in our confidence or strength, just know what God says about you. Yeah, you, 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 may fall, you may feel about this tall, but with God, you can stand so tall and strong in the purpose that He's got for you. You really can in His strength. A man, Chris Gilbo, an author, he said, Say yes to everything you're excited about or afraid of. Say yes to everything you're excited about or afraid of. So the first thing we have in us, under the hood, so to speak, is purpose. The second thing is you have passion. You have passion on the inside of you. I want to look at the story in Acts chapter 16. It's the story of Paul and Silas. So Paul had a radical, um, we'll have a look at that in a tick. Paul had a radical conversion on the way to Damascus. He was persecuting the church, tearing down God's plans. God saved him. And he went on his second missions trip to a place called Macedonia, which is like modern-day Greece around that area and. They went there and then at night he had this, uh, had this dream and a man in the dream said, come to Macedonia, Paul. Because I was thinking, where do we go on this trip? You know, Do we go there or there? And a man in the dream said, come to Macedonia. So they went to Macedonia. And while they're there, they're speaking in the, uh, in the marketplace and there's this lady who, uh, who was a little bit annoying, should we say. She was calling out in a high shrieking voice, the Bible says, these men are son of the Most High. They've come to bring the good news. And it was true. It was, it was true what she was saying, but it was just a bit annoying, a bit distracting. And then after a while, Paul turned to her and said, "Come out of her in Jesus' name." She had a demon inside of her, and that came out. And through that, through doing that work, they got thrown in prison because uh, whoever was in charge they said, "Look, you've thrown away how I earn my income." So here they are in prison. In uh, Macedonia, Macedonia, they had obeyed God, and they had done what God had said, and they found themselves in the situation. And there might be some of us here this morning who you've obeyed God to the best of your ability, but things haven't worked out as you thought they would. And that's life. That's part of life. Here they were in prison. So this is amazing, because the question is how are they' going to respond in prison? Is it going to be a bit of a pity party? God, you let us down. You lied. But it says, verse 25, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And to me, that speaks of two passionate people. Despite their circumstances, deep on the inside, they were passionate. And the prisoners were listening to them. Because when we're passionate, we'll get the attention of other people. They wonder, what is it inside of you that that you've got such that passion? Then suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened. Everyone say all. And everyone's chains were loosened. So their passion, in a way, reached lost people because all the doors were opened. And everyone's chains were loosened. It wasn't just them two. God didn't just say, hey, you two come out, um, other guys are not worried about you. It was like their passion had made a way in that situation. And your passion can make a way in your situation. Whether it's in relationships, in our hobbies. And it doesn't necessarily mean we need to be an extrovert person. We just be who we are, who we created to be. But there should be like a passion, you know, like a life on the inside of us. Which just sets us apart a little bit different. Just a little bit different. Martin Luther King Jr., he captured the essence of passion in regards to work life in one of his quotes. He said, If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Wow, being passionate at what we do will get the attention of other people. And if you find this morning you're thinking, well, I could probably be a bit more passionate about God and what he's done for me. So if we had a passion scale from naught to 10 and you're you're a bit low on the scale. The best, the best way I know to get passionate is to spend time with Him. Spend time with God, honestly. The Bible says the sheep hear His voice. You know, spend time with Him and talk about purpose, talk about passion, because they're kind of linked together, if you know what I mean. Like if you're actually fulfilling a purpose, it gives you momentum to have a passion. You've actually got something you're working towards. Yes, to spend time with God in that area. Steve Jobs said, people with passion can change the world. Very cool. So inside of us, uh, through God, we have purpose. We have passion. Another thing we have, another thing you have, is that you have power. You have power. Acts 1, verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So this was written uh, 2,000 years ago. But I can't see anywhere in the Bible where that means the Scripture isn't for today. I've read through this book, and unless I'm missing pages or something, um, I, I can't see anywhere. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the Holy Spirit is God on this earth, and that word power, it means dunamis, which is where we get our English word dynamite, or dynamic. It also means the miraculous. So we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judah, and Samaria, and in Mandra, and to the ends of the earth. Because we're basically the ends of the earth, you know, Jerusalem. I'm sorry, you know, feel the love, but we're a bit further away. Actually, can I grab a drink? Thanks, babe. Wow, look at this yellow water bottle. How cool is that? Lexi, I love it. So cool. So we'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Doesn't matter... Our stature doesn't matter if we're a um, short person, tall person. Doesn't say you will only receive power if you've been perfect or you've you've um, you know you've you've had a good background. Doesn't say that. Says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Like the um, the the thing that qualifies us for the power of the Holy Spirit is do we have a relationship with God? That's the the thing that qualifies us. I've got a picture here I just want to put up. So that right there is a 3,500 horsepower Austin Mini. This 11-ton oil burner is called the qs K78 power plant. It has 18 pistons arranged in a V-shape, displaces 78 litres, and has no less than 12 turbochargers for a total output of 3,500 horsepower and a maximum torque of 14,800 newton metres. Anyone who's into cars will go, wow, that's pretty grunty, and someone like myself and other people will just think that's a big engine on uh, on that little vehicle. The reason I show that was to uh, make sure we don't forget what we carry. Make sure we don't forget. Like the Holy Spirit that, you know how Jesus said, it's for your good that I go? When he said to the disciples, like that's, that's a crazy concept that it was actually better for them that Jesus went to heaven. Because you would think, nah, no, nah, Jesus, um, you know, have we got that right? Like we need you here, Jesus. You know, wherever you go, people get touched and we need you. But he said, it's for your good that you go. Because then the Holy Spirit can come, and it's not just one Jesus doing miracles. It's all his children all around the place, bringing the presence of God to circumstances. It's almost like there's such possibility for growth if we realize the Holy Spirit that is upon us. I heard, I heard someone say, you know, the Holy Spirit is within us, which we know from the Bible. Body a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's within us for our benefit, awesome, builds us up, gives us strength, comforts us. But this person said, the Holy Spirit is upon you for other people. And I thought, wow, I'd never thought about that. So being the person I am myself, I'm quickly going through the Bible. You know, how does that fit theologically? And I think, well, Jesus got baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Okay. And then in Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news. Acts 1 verse 8, you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And this person was saying that in their life, they've grown in this whole area of being aware of the presence of God. He said like when he would go into a shop or a meeting or something, he would just, he would just, have, just have, take a little moment and talk with God and say, wow, God, thank you that you're upon me. Holy Spirit, you're here right now on this earth and you're upon me for the situation I'm going into. And he shared some awesome, um, awesome times of when God would use him to speak life and they saw miracles and different things happen and basically God's kingdom extended on the earth. And I was like, wow, that's a great concept because we all uh, get so busy in this life and you know, I know what it's like, you're working and you're ticking off tasks and that. But I thought sometimes it's cool just to hold back and just rest and remember that the Holy Spirit is upon us wherever we go. And yeah. So another thing that we and you have in Christ is that you have position. You have position. I love the scripture that uh, Pastor Aaron shared. I think it was last week. Like that to me is one of those scriptures that, wow, it's just kind of like, wow, if, if, if this really is true and I really believe that, that's a bit of a game changer right there. Because I got thinking about this and I thought, okay, so if my position is seated in heavenly places, does that mean if I go into a, a situation, I'm potentially going to have a different perspective? Than other people. And I got thinking about what does that mean in 2015, living in Mandra, in day to day life. So I thought, okay, so if I go into a situation where there's hostility, if I'm seated in heaven, is there any hostility in heaven? No. Okay. So what's in heaven? There's peace in heaven. Right, so that means instead of viewing this as hostility, no hope, nothing we can do, I thought, maybe I can think, hey, there can be peace here. That whole concept of um, our Father who art in heaven, the Lord's Prayer, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I thought, maybe this is all linked. You know, may um, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if in heaven there's no hostility, there's peace. Maybe the will of God is that we can bring peace in a situation where there's hostility by having a different perspective in how we look at things. Another one is uh, uh, obviously, if you know uh, there's situations where there's sickness and ill health, we all know that Jesus still heals today. There's no sickness in heaven. So we can view it from the concept of heaven, which is that God can bring health into their situation. He can bring health. Another big one is obviously uh, worry in our day-to-day lives. Things happen from left field. We didn't see coming. It's not how we planned it. Something changes. You know, it's easy to get worried. Oh, no, what's going to happen? But just remember that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Is there any worry in heaven? Are they kind of running around heaven, going, "Oh no, we've got a problem here. I oh, know how we're we going to fix this. You know, this is going to get out of hand." There's, there's, obviously no worry in heaven. So if we view it from heaven's perspective, we can just take a sit back, seat back, and say, "Thank you, Lord, for your peace." We can actually walk in that peace on the earth, in our day-to-day lives. So it's just being aware, aware of that in the circumstances we find ourselves. And I've, I've been, it's not easy because life's, you know, busy and you get caught up doing stuff, and which is cool, but I've been trying to grow in that area. I've been trying to be aware of that in that area. Like even in work life, you get super busy and you feel this pressure and stress for tasks and you'll go into meetings and there's deadlines. And I've been trying to remember that and trying to actually walk in meetings just thinking, wow, God, I'm here in the meeting, and without being too weird and super spiritual, but just God, I'm here in the physical, but I'm seated in heaven. So you're in this meeting and all the stuff's been thrown around and it's it's all go, but there's kind of like there can be a peace in your spirit through all that, where you're not caught up with, with, with this whole thing that's going on. You're there, but your position is in heaven. So things that may worry in the natural, you've actually got peace through what Christ has done. And there's an awesome scripture in the Bible that talks about us being ambassadors for Christ. Being ambassadors for him and uh, just, just coming to a close, but I was thinking about uh, what things are important for ambassadors for, if you're an ambassador for someone. So let's just take the Kiwi ambassador to Australia. So he's here living in Australia. There's a few things that he needs to know. He needs to know the, what the Prime Minister of New Zealand thinks about certain things. You know, if he goes a bit AWOL and ad hoc, he'll soon get get out of that position. So he needs to know the values of the Prime Minister. He needs to support the Prime Minister. Like, I'd be very disappointed if the, uh, Kiwi ambassador, the Kiwi ambassador in Australia supports the Australian cricket team. That's that's just not acceptable. You know, he's here, he's been sent by New Zealand, he's to support the New Zealand team the whole way through. So as ambassadors of Christ on this earth, we need to, we need to know God's values. Yeah, we need to support, um, basically, obviously, support the growing of God's kingdom on this earth. And no one's perfect, there'll be times where we'll make mistakes, and we all do. But there should be the underlying that we're ambassadors, we're like God's hands and feet on this earth. So that that position that we operate from, if if, if we work in that, it'll set us apart from some other people. Like you'll find yourself in situations, other people will be stressed out, but you'll just have a calmness about you. You'll just have a calmness. And to me, that's one of the greatest ways to uh, reach the lost, to evangelize, to extend God's kingdom is to be different, is to be who God's called us to be. Because we can stand on street corners and, cool, that's one option, you know, get our little PA out and do our thing and scream to people as they go past. That's one option. But what I love about this verse is that, how it said that the sharing of your faith may be effective. And, and I really reckon an effective way of sharing the gospel is to, um, is to show what's inside of us, what's under the hood, you know, what, what God has done, done in us. And the last thing we have, which I wanted to share, was you have peace. You have peace through what Christ has done for us. In the natural, we may not look like we should have peace in a situation, but there is peace that we can tap into. I remember when Nushi and myself had our first child, Bella, who's now seven. Um, I won't go into the whole thing, but... At the age of five months, she was diagnosed with cancer, retinoblastoma, and you go to the specialist, and and they're looking at you, and they tell you this news that she's got tumors in both of her eyes, and as a parent, um, it's hard, you know, you're not prepared for that kind of thing. We weren't prepared for that, our first child, and you know, she had through the whole pregnancy, had uh, you know, the things they tell you not to do, obviously. We don't smoke anyway, but um, I don't think we, you know, drank any wine, you know, whatever. You're just, we did everything we could, and then we get this bombshell at five months that she's got tumors in both of her eyes. And that was a crazy time. I remember leaving the hospital after hearing that, and we're both, we're both just a mess, you know, tears are just screaming down and you're thinking, oh no, you know, is she going to be blind? Will she not be able to see? What, what does this mean? And I remember just turning to Nushi and we prayed and we said, God, may we not become bitter towards you through this? And that was the prayer and that started off some of the hardest weeks of our life, so hard. But through it all, you know that there's a God that is in control. We prayed, we believed for healing. Other people prayed. She, uh, she had to have one of her eyes removed. The other tumour shrunk, and now she's got vision um, in one eye 100%, which is awesome. But through the whole journey, we had peace, and a lot of people were just amazed at how we conducted ourselves, and it's purely through the peace of God. That's, that's the foundation, which is, you know, we have this hope um, as an anchor for the soul. So how we conduct ourselves when the chips are down and things are thrown at us will speak volumes to other people. It really will. So this morning, let's be people of uh, purpose. Let's be people of passion. Let's be people of power. Let's know our position in God in day-to-day life, and let's be people of peace and circumstances. Why don't we pray? Thank you, Lord, for every good thing we have within us through the work of the cross, Jesus. And I pray this morning, Lord God, you'd open our eyes, Father God, to what that looks like for us in 2015 in our day-to-day lives, Lord. Extend our horizons, Father God. Speak to us, Lord, that that our heart would be for you and for other people, Father God, and we would truly live lives that are a little bit different, God, because of who you are and what you've done in us, Father. And I just pray in this coming week, Lord, that all of us in this room would walk in confidence, we'd walk in boldness, we'd walk with purpose, Father God. In your awesome name, Lord God, I pray leading up to Easter, God, that as we invite people, we'd invite them with confidence, we'd be unashamed of the gospel, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we have, we have you upon us, Father, that you'd move as we're speaking with people. We may not always have the eloquent words, Father God, but that you would move, Holy Spirit. And there'd be testimonies come out of the next couple of weeks about, wow, I invited people and you know I was praying for them, and, and they said, yeah, I'll come. And people will just be blown away at the openness, Father God. We thank you for your message of the cross, Jesus. It is complete. It is the finished work. It is full, Father God. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. Continue to grow us and lead us on in you, Father God. In your awesome name, Lord.